Crossroads, let's dive in. Who's ready? Who's ready? Let's do this. Uh, we're diving into week two of this series called Fruits. It's all about identifying the characteristics uh, of the life that belongs to Jesus, recognizing that the longer we walk down this journey of life with Jesus, the more that we begin to look like him. Uh, and the reality is that the Holy Spirit produces characteristics fruit in our lives that is different than anything that the world will produce in our lives. And in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says there is no law against these things. That life that belongs to Jesus, that exhibits the fruit of a life that belongs to him is a life that is lived completely free from anything, uh, you know, where you're looking back over your shoulder to, you know, be worried about what's going to come out of your closet, what's going to track you down from your past. No, there, there is no law against living this way. This is what it looks like to live life to the fullest. This is what it looks like to be free, to walk in the forgiveness of knowing that you have been set free and knowing that you are becoming like Jesus. This is the life that God wants each of us to experience. And today, we're focusing in on this trait of joy. And I, I want you to consider joy uh, as being completely separate than happiness. I think joy and happiness are two completely different things. Uh, as we've talked about last week, we realized love is the root of the fruit, okay? It's the thread that goes through every one of these characteristics. And so it begins with love. And when we talk about joy, I'd like to define joy today as simply love rejoicing, considering the reality that God's love for us, what he has done for us, in us and through us, that love is the source of our joy. And so joy simply is love rejoicing at what God has done for us, the things that he has in store for us. And that is a joy that is based on an eternal perspective. That is something that cannot be taken away from you as long as you stay focused on Jesus. It doesn't matter what circumstance or situation you may find yourself in, that joy is unshakable. And I think that's what's different between joy and happiness. Joy is a happiness based on the divine, unchanging promises of God. I have hope, I have a future, I am a child of God. He has placed his name on me. I am dearly and deeply loved by him. Nothing can change that. Now, you might encounter a situation that steals your happiness. I think happiness is temporary, right? Uh, and, and the world offers us all kinds of ways to, to be happy. It overpromises, underdelivers. And, and a lot of times the things in this world will make you happy for a little while, but then you get tired of it, you move on to the next thing. This joy that God gives us, it's inexpressible, it's unbelievable. It is a joy that cannot be taken from us when we stay focused on Jesus. And I just want to encourage you to think about that, that definition of joy and what that means as we unpack this content today. Because I think the reality is we need to stay focused on Jesus. We can never forget the incredible love that he has for us and what he has done for us. I mean, what an extraordinary opportunity to celebrate changed lives today through baptism, to recognize these are lives that have been changed by Jesus. Now we have hope, now we have a future, and because of that, we have joy, we have peace, because we have been made right with God. 
I have to illustrate this in this way. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, um, the writer of Hebrews is following up on an entire chapter in Hebrews 11 where he focuses on all these heroes of faith in the Old Testament. People who stepped out in faith, they trusted God, they obeyed what God called them to do, and because of their faith, they were able to do extraordinary things. They were able to overcome amazing odds. Just There was no way that what they were trying to do should have or could have happened except that God showed up on the scenes and did what he does. And so keeping all of those people in mind, Hebrews 12 begins by saying this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by all these people of faith who have gone before us, he says, let us keep our eyes fixed focused, completely looking at Jesus. Why? Because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Think about that for a second. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have to throw off everything that entangles us. We have to run the race that has been marked out for us. That's Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.2 says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Catch this, who for the joy, circle that word in your mind, who for the joy before him endured, some translations say embraced the suffering and the shame of the cross. Think about that. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy before him endured the suffering, the shame of the cross, scorning that shame and now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Just consider that for a second, how bizarre it is to think about Jesus considering it joy to embrace the suffering and the shame of the cross. Those two things don't seem compatible at all. And yet I think at the deepest heart of who God is and who he calls us to be, that's what joy does for us. I mean, Jesus would have been focused on his mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He would be focused in that moment, even though he's embracing and enduring the shame and the suffering of the cross, he's focused on what he's accomplishing. Because what he accomplished in the cross was the eternal redemption of us all. He was able to reunite every single one of us who puts our trust in Jesus. He was able to reunite every single one of us with him. That relationship that was broken, it's restored. That price that we could never pay, he paid it. And so the suffering that he was enduring, the shame that he was having to go through, he considered it joy because of the eternal ramifications of what he was doing. Think about that for a second. I think a lot of times we go through situations and circumstances that are difficult. They try our patience. They test us. That's for sure. Jesus experienced the same thing. And yet he was still able to count that level of suffering as joy. Just, just consider that for a second. Happiness and joy are two very different things. Joy is so much deeper. Joy is so much more meaningful because it is centered on Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. Never forget, you were created by God. You were created in his image. Out of the dust of the ground he formed man, breathed into him the breath of life. You are his prized possession. You are dearly and you are deeply loved by God. It says in scripture, we were made by him and we were made for him. Since you are made in the image of God, you have a purpose. You've been created to do good works that he prepared in advance before the beginning of time for you to do. 
Not only that, but he's preparing a place for you right now, an eternal future to be with him in heaven. Think about the joy that comes from knowing who you are, that your life has purpose, that you have hope and a future. When you are focused on those things, there is nothing that can steal that level of joy. That goes far beyond anything that this world could offer us. I've uh, been, been shopping online for a long time for the perfect item for my backyard. I've, I've decided to take my backyard game to the next level. Uh, and yesterday, I was able to purchase and bring home uh, a brand new uh, toy for my backyard. It is a gas-powered griddle, okay? And you're like, what is that? Think of like a hibachi griddle when you go to like the Japanese restaurants and they're doing the rice and everything. That's my dream. I want to be that guy. I want to be with the hat. I want to have the little tricks that I do. I'm going to throw the egg in my hat. That's what I want to do. And I want to I be the life of the party in my backyard, all right? That's a silly dream, but it's my dream. All right, let me dream. I was so excited to get this griddle. It's just like a massive grill until I got it into my garage. I'm like, I'm going to set this up. I might try this out tonight. And I look at the directions. I look at the box. There's like a million parts. I mean, I could not believe how many parts there were. And if you've known me for any amount of time, you know tools and putting stuff together, not really my forte. I'm not very good at those things. Um, and so there were only 16 sets of directions for this griddle. 16. 16 steps. And everything in that box comes to life in the form of this griddle. Four and a half hours. Four and a half hours I spent yesterday from 12 to 4.30 in my garage, sweating, angry, not happy. I'll tell you that right now. I was not happy. I'd been looking forward to that griddle for a long time, so happy, but not happy because it stole my happiness immediately. <laughs> you want to know that insult to injury? I mean, we went out uh, last night with the in-laws, had a great time celebrating birthdays and Father's Day, got some delicious ice cream, which always is great. And then when we got home, it was about 7 o'clock, and my youngest son, he says, Dad, I've heard about this game called Risk, and I'd like to learn how to play. And I'm going, oh, that just took me like a flashback to 20 years ago in college. And I'm like, I will teach you how to play Risk, and this will be so fun. I'm so happy. Four hours later again, <laughs> it's 11 o'clock now, and my son, who I've taught how to play Risk, has just defeated me. Are you kidding me? He's like, hey, Dad, I'm undefeated in risk. I'm like, stop it. It's not cool. It's Father's Day. I just baptized him, so hopefully all that has changed. <laughs> the happiness that, that the world offers us, it always overpromises, underdelivers. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced right now more than ever uh, of the reality of John 10.10. 10. This is a verse that I reference all the time. If you've come to Crossroads for any amount of time, you're rolling your eyes going, oh, Tim, you're talking about John 10.10 10 again. It's because it's so true and it's so relevant to our lives. Uh, Jesus is speaking and he just says, the thief, he's talking about the devil now, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, no, I, I'm not going to have any of that. He says, I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest. I want you living life on the complete other end of that spectrum. And, and I'm convinced more than ever that when it says that the devil comes to steal, I think he's trying to steal our joy. Because the joy of the Lord, it says in Scripture, is our strength. When I'm focused on Jesus, who he is, 
what he has done for me, the hope that I have for eternity. I am dearly and deeply loved by God. I am his prized possession. My life has purpose. He's preparing a place for me. When I'm focused on those things, that's a joy that, that goes down to the depth of your soul. There's nothing that you face in life, no matter how difficult of a situation or circumstance that you find yourself facing, there's nothing that you will encounter that can steal that level of joy if you stay focused on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the, the suffering and the shame of that cross, scorning that shame, and now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. That's just a depth of joy that the Bible defines and describes as, as inexpressible, as, as glorious, because nothing can take that away from me. That's why the devil tries so hard to distract us, to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus, because he knows that's how he can steal our joy. I think he also tries to kill our spirit. I think he likes to just do everything he can to distract us and then discourage us. And honestly, coming out of COVID, I feel like that's what the devil has been doing to the church. He's been trying to isolate us. He's been trying to discourage us, feel, make us feel disconnected that we're not. He's making us forget who we are and what God has done for us. And I want to encourage you today, don't let the devil win that battle. Don't let him steal your joy. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. He loves you with an extravagant love. He has a, a, a purpose and a plan for your life. Lean into that and stay focused on that. Because he's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to kill your spirit. He's trying to destroy your soul. And he's going to win if he helps you or if he tricks you into taking your eyes off of Jesus and just living in the way of the world that never delivers on the promises that it gives us. I just, I just want to encourage you today to walk in the joy of Jesus. When you think of joy as a fruit of the spirit, a fruit of the life, a characteristic of the life that belongs to Jesus, you start to realize the depth of what that means, where that comes from, and the eternal significance that that has. And I would just encourage you today to, to think about some of the main points from this outline today. I mean, honestly, you guys, with baptisms today, uh, with everything that we're celebrating, just know this, we're starting the outline right now, and for you that are taking notes, if you've got your booklets today, and you're taking notes, and you realize we're at the first blank in the sermon, know this, we're expediting the process today. It's gonna take about three to five minutes, so take a, a sigh of relief, okay? Pastor Tim is not gonna preach for an hour today. You're welcome. Happy Father's Day. Too much excitement for that. <laughs> Three things to consider, though, when it comes to joy. And number one, I should expect joy in my life. Think about that. It sounds simple, but the reality is, if, if God, if, if knowing Jesus and walking with him leads to joy in my life, then that means that, that God himself is a joyful being. He has joy. And when you read through scripture, what you realize is the thing that brings him the greatest joy is when what is lost has been found, when what was dead has been brought to life. It's that celebration of the changed life. That brings him joy. When you choose to follow Jesus, 
you are bringing God joy. How cool is that? Your life, who you are, the choices you make can bring a smile to God's face. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, there was a party in heaven celebrating you. How cool is that? God is a joyful being, and you are the one who brings him joy. I think that the, the second thing that we need to lean to is, is the fact that I should experience joy in my life. You say, well, I've encountered Jesus. I've invited him to come into my life. Somebody tell your face, all right? If you're happy, let people know it. Because if you are experiencing joy in your life, that just validates your faith. It showcases that it is genuine, that it is real. God is moving. God is working in your life. You're loved by Jesus. He has a purpose and a plan for you. You have hope and a future. Let that radiate out of your face. Let people see that you are joyful. Let them see that there is something different in you. Let that be something that gets showcased to everyone because the reality is we should be expressing joy in our life. I love what it says in Psalm 100. I, this is such a great verse. It's a psalm that David writes that just captures the essence of, of this entire principle and, and this entire topic. He writes, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. I want to close with this question today. Are you expressing joy in your life? Would you just consider that for a second? If the fruit of the Spirit, if a characteristic of a life that belongs to Jesus is supposed to showcase joy, are you expressing joy? that joy in your life? Do people see the joy of Jesus in you? I want to encourage you today to stay fixed on Jesus. And if you've been struggling with this, I would encourage you and challenge you to, to find your joy. I would encourage you to draw close to Jesus. Thank him for who he is, for the love that he has for you. Never forget that you are his prized possession that you have hope, that you have a future. It's that kind of faith, it's that kind of walk with Jesus that helps you navigate any situation in life, any situation, any circumstance that you're dealing with. It, it's going to steal your happiness. It's going to be a difficult situation to walk through. But if you're focused on Jesus, it's not going to steal your joy because you're living with eternity in mind. You're not forgetting what Jesus has done for you, the extravagant love that he has for you. You're keeping your eyes fixed on him. He's the author and he's the perfecter. He's the beginning and the end of your faith. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured that suffering and the shame of the cross, scorning that shame. And now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God where he is praying, he is interceding for you, where he has gone to prepare a place for you and my prayer today is that, that that knowledge, that that focus on who God is and how much he loves us will allow you to remain in his love and experience his joy.
And my prayer is that you will be able to express that joy in a way that people will see there's something different about you. God is alive, God is moving, and God is working. And despite enduring situations that are difficult, you're still able to have joy. Why? Because God is with you. And he loves you. And he has a purpose and he has a future for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? I would ask in this moment that you would just take inventory. Make sure that joy is a characteristic of your life. And that that joy of Jesus is overflowing out of you. Because the reality is that joy, it should be contagious. It should be visible. It should be pointing people toward Jesus. So I encourage you, if if you've allowed the devil to distract you, to take your eyes off of Jesus, refocus. Take a step toward Jesus today. Thank him for all that he's done for you. Thank him for the extravagant love that he has shown you, for the future that you have with him. The devil's been trying to discourage you. Draw close to Jesus. Remember, you are his prized possessions. You are dearly and deeply loved by him. Don't let him destroy your soul. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And don't let the devil steal your joy. Jesus, we're thankful today for the extravagant love that you have for us, for all that you've done. And we just wanted to stop and thank you, God, for the purpose and the plan that you have for each of us, for the gifts and abilities you've given each of us to, to use for you and for your glory. God bless us, I pray. Help us to stay focused on the hope that we have for our future with you. Help us not to be overwhelmed or overcome by the situations and the circumstances that we face in life because there are going to be difficult times. That's a promise that all of us take from Scripture. In this life, there will be trouble. But you've told us, Jesus, to take heart because you have overcome the world. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, and to experience life, your life, to the fullest. We love you. We thank you and we praise you today. And we pray this in your name. Amen.